just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your host, Ian Dawson Mackay. Today's guest is Chad Wesley-Smith. He's the owner of Juggernaut Training Systems, a top 20 ranked raw power lifter of all time, an author, a speaker and a world-class coach. As his about page outlines, Chad is one of the most accomplished strength athletes of recent years. He has a background in track and field and took two collegiate national championships and continued his success in powerlifting and strongman to this day. In powerlifting, he currently owns PRs of a 435kg squat with wraps, 380kg squat and sleeves, a 257.5kg bench press and a 367.5kg deadlift as well. He also has top 10 totals of all time with wraps and without at 1,050kg or uh, £2,314 and 1,010 kilogram, which is 2,226 pounds respectively. He earned his professional status in strongman by a landslide's victory at the 2012 North American Strongman Championships. As a coach, Smith has helped over 50 athletes earn Division One athletic scholarships and worked with athletes in the NFL, UFC, MLB and Olympics, as well as having numerous world-class powerlifters and breaking many records himself. So I thought, who better to discuss how to become a juggernaut in our own lives with? In this interview, we discuss masculinity, weightlifting, skill development, jiu-jitsu, and how to become a man everyone wants to have a pint with, and lift heavyweights. But before we get into that, a quick word about our affiliates. I've managed to build up some great relationships with some awesome companies. This allows me to obtain special discount codes, deals, and listener exclusives please go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates for further information. I am particularly loving the delicious protein from the Protein Works, which I use after my jiu-jitsu training to recover and come back stronger. My steaks, sausages and burgers, which I got from Muscle Foods, which are tasting amazing just now on the summer barbecues in the sun, and buying some awesome gifts for loved ones at the Cool Materials for many upcoming birthdays and weddings, etc., there really is something for everyone there. For more info on these and so much more, check out www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. I hope you had as much fun listening to this one as I did interviewing Chad. Um, so if, if we met in a bar or a protein kiosk or whatever, and uh, somebody asked who you were and you know why you were well known, what would you say? Um, I guess well-known for lifting heavy stuff and talking about how to lift heavy stuff on the internet, mostly. Uh, the uh, Yeah, so I'm the owner of, of Juggernaut Training Systems, which in a little niche community is, is pretty well-known, I suppose, uh, you know, powerlifting, for powerlifting, weightlifting. But I really see uh, myself and our company as, as educators at this point and trying to, trying to help people better reach their goals. 
Well, you're mega famous on YouTube and the internet for and you know across the powerlifting world for lifting amazing weights. I think I seen a video recently. Was it 500 pounds for 22 reps, and you made yeah. you made it look easy. So, <laughs> but where did this come from? You know, was there an, an inspiration when you were younger to start lifting weights? Was there a turning point in your life that made you want to start um, lifting iron? Uh, you know, I was just really always interested in, in training. I think uh, even even as a little kid, I think strength was something that was very fascinating to me, and that was probably coming a lot from uh, you know like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and and Rocky movies stuff like that. I had two uh, much older, uh, I have two older brothers, uh, quite a bit older than I am. So you know, when I was five, six years old, my oldest brother was playing high school football and. Yeah, him and his friends talking about how much they could bench press, and and I remember that they could do like make their the little peck peck dance kind of that peck oh, yeah. pop sort of move, and I I remember thinking like, oh my god, my brother is like the biggest strongest guy ever, and yeah, he was probably like five eleven, you know, one hundred and seventy five pounds, like eighty kilos, and uh, I guess you guys are in England, right? Should, should I use pounds or kilos? Uh, yeah, pounds. Uh, you can use pounds or kilos. We okay. All right. And uh, so, you know, and they had shown me like Terminator and Commando and Rocky Four and Bloodsport and all these movies. Mm-hmm. So I was just always really interested in being strong and, and training, even to where the first time I was going to uh, play American football, I think I was about 10 years old. And my mom said that I was uh, getting ready for like the tryout for the for the team. And I was uh, using the bungee cords like the kind of bungee cords you use to to secure something in the back of in the back of a truck and i'd gotten collected as many of those as i could find around our house in our garage and and sort of bungee corded myself to a tree in the backyard so i could do you know resisted sprints with that and uh yeah this is just like kind of stuff coming from my own imagination and and watching you know rocky four training montage because i was I said nine, nine or ten years old, so it was, it was something that just always, always fascinated me. And uh, I knew when I got to high school and I was playing football and doing, uh, doing track. And I, you know, always played sports growing up. I think starting with with soccer and swimming when I was five years old. Um, I knew that that to to get better, you know, I had to lift weights and being strong was important. So I just really, really went after that with a with a passion and would train you know, five, six, seven days a week when I was in high school for two or three hours and, you know, probably over, over trained quite a, quite a few times, but, uh, you know, a teenage, teenage boy is pretty resilient. So was able to just kind of grow. And my, my freshman year of high school, I was five foot eight and weighed 175 pounds. So like 80 kilos. Mm. And my senior year, I was about six feet tall and weighed, 275 pounds so 125 kilos <laughs> there was a lot of a, a lot of work and a lot of calories in between there i mean was that how you defined like one of the things i looked at back when i was younger was like masculine f- films like yourself you know like the rocky rambo and things like that would you have um, defined you know masculinity back then as being strong the big guys the muscles you know, I mean, do you still, is that the way you look at masculinity now? Do you think it's changed over the, you know, with feminism and things like that coming in? 
Oh yeah, you know, actually one of my one of my favorite books uh, is called Season of Life by a guy named Jeffrey Marks, and it touches on this exact on this exact concept and how you know kids maybe up to 16, 17, 18 years old, the you know what what's kind of going to define the masculinity for for that age group is who's the best at sports. So you know this physicality is is all going to be tied into that. And then the next, you know, sort of phase of life from maybe 18, 19 years old into late 20s, early, mid 30s, you know, depending on the, on the person, it's going to be, you know, how many women can you sleep with? That's going to define masculinity and your success with, with women in that regard. And then beyond that, you know, 30 plus, 35 plus, whatever, you know, how much money do they make? And it's, and that's such a, a simple and, 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 you know, incorrect, I think, uh, incomplete definition of, of masculinity. Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, growing up as a little kid, that's, that's what I saw. I was like, Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like that's, that was the ultimate, you know, and, and like, uh, you know, men want to be him. Women want to be with him kind of, a kind of idea, but, yeah, at this at this point in my life, and what they what they talk about in this in the book, season of life, which uh, fantastic book, is you know defining masculinity by like the quality of relationships that people have, and uh, you know in, integrity and and thoughtfulness and all all of those, obviously much more important qualities than how much you know weight someone can lift. I mean, is that where you see a lot of guys going wrong? Is it just where the we want to have the disco muscles. We don't want to, you know, we stay on that superficial level. We don't actually get down and be deep and emotional. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think that that's in, in male culture, uh, fairly, you know, epidemic because it's, it's easy to have that superficial, you know, surface relationships with people. And you, you know, you got your, your buddies that you go out to the, to the bars <coughs> and chase women with, or you, you know, that you go play, play golf with and drink beers and talk about business or whatever. But, to, to it's, I think it's, it's pretty surprising how few, you know, adult, adult men in, into their, their thirties and forties and stuff. Uh, you know, I think really have truly close friendships with people that they can, you know, share more, more meaningful aspects of their, their life with and and even you know to to say like you know like who's your to ask like a 40 a 40 year old man like who's your best friend and i think a lot of them don't have a don't have a real answer for that and the and those relationships you know beyond a, a significant other you know parents kids all that kind of stuff is going to be the the most impactful part of someone's life i mean that was something i was going to um touch on later on is that you know, yourself and Max, I tell you, have, both have like what seems like such a deep friendship. Um, when I was researching you, that I couldn't find anything bad about you. There was always there was a lot of love from people in the comments, and you were a, a fan favorite for a lot of people who watched and were into powerlifting. So, why do you think that is? You know, what what makes a good friendship? Why do you think that you've been so popular compared to other lifters um, of your generation? Um, 
You know, in, in terms of what, what makes a good friendship, I'll, I'll address that part of things first. And, uh, you know, beyond the shared interests and, and similar sense of humors and all that kind of kind of stuff. And Max is definitely one of my, my best friends, even though we've, we've actually only known each other for uh, maybe five, probably five years. And but it was only like the last two years where we really got to, to hang out a lot more and, and spend spend more time together. Before it was just kind of like I'd see see him at a powerlifting meet here and there, um, but I, I think it's a you know shared ambitions. Not a, not even that it's ambition towards the towards the same goals, which obviously Max and my goals are very very aligned uh, in the work we do together. But but my my best friend is a guy named Paul. We've been buddies for 14 years, and we're on the track team together in college and. You know, he's he's a lawyer and doing all that stuff and very ambitious towards that goal. And I'm very ambitious towards towards my goals in the in lifting and fitness industry and all that stuff. So I think I think that goes that goes a really long way. And then, you know, the the ability to be to be open and vulnerable and share, you know, the good good and bad parts of of life with someone. Um, you know, so. I think that that that's a big a big part of it in terms of you know why I've been able to be popular. Uh, yeah, I guess I I mean I, I suppose I am pretty popular. I don't I don't you know think about that kind of thing a lot. It's it's probably just come from you know well one being good at lifting. I, I think that 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 helps you be popular in powerlifting and then uh, and then sharing you know that the information that that. Uh, we do at juggernaut, you know, whenever you're helping people out, that's going to be something that they like. And then just, you know, not taking myself and training and, and life too seriously and being able to put, you know, it's something I actually resisted for, for a long time was, was putting much of my personality, uh, into the content that we provide. And there's other people who I think did more, you know, human interest or, and motivational, inspirational type of stuff. And, and kind of let people in more with that. And I was always resistant to that because in some ways, and, and in some ways it still is, a bit odd to me to think, you know, that these people I don't know on the internet feel like they know me or, or have some more personal connection with my my life and my my story and stuff. Um, but it's it's been more in the last, you know, two years I think as we do the the podcast, the Jug Life podcast, and uh, and more stuff on YouTube, that we can put a little bit more of of the personality in and sense of humor and, and all that kind of stuff. No, I mean it's something I really liked when I started finding your content was, you know, you're very warm, you're humble, that you give out all the secrets, you know, you you go into deep deep kind of explanations about things you're not one of those people who you see them just putting up their videos you actually go into little tricks and the hacks that can make people better you want to help powerlifters and other you know gym people you're not one of those people who's out for themselves and i think a lot of people warm to that because you really put so much sort of detail and you're very intellectual about how you do things so it really comes across in your videos. So where do you see guys going wrong in the gym? Is there particular things that like pet hates you have when you see training videos on Instagram and that sort of thing? Uh, uh, yeah, thank you for the, for the compliment there. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's certainly lots of lots of places that people are are going wrong. If I had to, you know, pick one out for for this purpose, I'd I'd probably say it's it's trying to find you know a, an easy or a, a quick solution to things rather than being willing to dive a little bit deeper into their understanding of a concept and and with that you know dive deeper into the mastery of of the concept and and in doing that they're going to be able to i think find a lot of a lot more enjoyment in the process of trying to achieve whatever goal they have rather than just you know well i haven't met my goal yet i haven't produced the result i want yet um which you know, a lot of the a lot of the the goals worth attaining uh, the goals worth attaining are are not you know happening in a uh, in twelve weeks or in in you know thirty days or, or things that magazine covers and stuff uh, may may lead people to believe, but but they're you know months and years and and decades of of pursuit and the ability to 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 dive in deeper and and chase mastery of that and and love the process of it i think is is going to be something a lot more successful for people so you know for people who have, are maybe going to the gym or want to get back into it you know and they've just gone lifted a few weights but they've mm-hmm. never really got deep or the moving towards intermediate or expert level how should we start you know, really getting ingrained into the concept and developing, you know, the the, the techniques. I mean, do, how do you do it? Do you look on form and record your video or is it more feel as you go through the movement? You know, how can we analyze our sessions and start looking for the little things to start improving? Yeah, you know, I, I started lifting weights in 2000. Uh, I was 14 years old, a freshman in high school. And... Yeah, you know the, the internet existed at that point, but the the information about how to train was much more scarce, and and YouTube didn't exist, and and things like that. So, so I had to, and certainly, you know, people who have been training a lot longer than than me had to either figure these things out by you know talking to people, by watching the people stronger than them at the gym, and by experimenting and trial and error. Um, and I think that that's hugely valuable and a bit of a lost art because there is so much information prevalent and it is so much more easily accessible. And I'm one of the people putting that information out. So can YouTube videos be a great, uh, a great starting point, you know, for people to, to begin to understand technique? Definitely. Can they, you know, record their, their own videos and, and reflect back, um, on those, and compared to what they what they'd learned in an article or video, you know, certainly that's that's going to be a good idea. But the yeah, I think I think the most the most important stuff to do is going to be to to just be thoughtful in what they're what they're doing to you know to to not expect to master a technique in in a day or a week or anything, but uh, you know to, to just make to go in each day with one with one thing to focus on you know keep a training log uh, whether that's written you know written in a notebook or or on your phone or on your computer or whatever to where you can reflect on on small details uh and keep some some notes from the day 
like I started training uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu about, um, I guess, eight months ago, nine months ago in uh, August 2017. And it's something that's been totally new to me. And, and you know, I go to our regular kind of group classes and once a week do uh, a private training with one of the coaches. And there's been a couple things that have really helped me in the, the technique, the technical learning from, from that. And, uh, the, the two that, that jump out to me is that every, every, uh, session, you know, whatever techniques my, my coach, uh, Brent teaches me, you know, he, he talks me through them and, and shows them to me. And then, then we drill them. And then at the, at the end of the, of the session, he'll have me walk through the technique and say, you know, walk and talk through the technique. So I say, all right, you know, first I, I'm going to control the collar with my, with my right hand and then con- control the sleeve with my left hand and so on and so forth. And I actually have to say what I'm doing all along the way. And then, you know, he can kind of correct the things I'm doing there. And then at the end of that, I, I go into the notes on my phone and, and write down each of the steps. So I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm hearing the technique uh, I'm watching him do it, then I'm practicing it myself, and then I'm talking my way through it while I, I practice it again, and then I'm finally, uh, you know, writing it down. And that's something that'd be pretty simple to apply for lifting techniques as well, is, is they can, you know, do all of those steps. They can hear it and see it on a YouTube video. They can practice it themselves and and take video of it. Then they can, then they can, uh, they can do all that stuff. Yeah, you know they, they can they can watch it and, and do it on a YouTube video. They can uh, or watch it and, and hear it and see it on a YouTube video. They can practice it themselves and and film that. They can you know write down or verbalize the technique. And I think people will be really surprised trying to talk through you know step by step of the of the squat or you know squat bench deadlift snatch clean and jerk whatever that there's going to be parts where they can't explain it. And if they can't explain that part, <laughs> do they really know what they're doing at that, at that phase? And then to write it down, which is, I think is going to help further commit it to, to memory. So that, you know, that would be my answer there. Oh, I mean, that's something that I've, I've started as well recently um, is jujitsu as well. And it's, oh, nice. it's what a difference it is to the strength stream, but you do see a lot of parallels so for me, for example, I found I had tight hips from, I did a lot of squats, a lot of deadlifts. Uh-huh. So did you find that by doing your strength training and, you know, the jiu-jitsu, that the flexibility and mobility improved? You know, can these kind of things be put together where one benefits the other? Uh, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Yeah, the, the, my flexibility has certainly improved. With jiu-jitsu, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell someone like, oh, you can be the best powerlifter and the best, you know, jiu-jitsu athlete simultaneously. It's just, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to work like that. Does lifting and being stronger help you in jiu-jitsu? Certainly. And that was my introduction to that kind of jiu-jitsu community oh, about seven, no, nine, nine years ago. I started uh, when I had first opened Juggernaut. One of my first clients was an athlete named Fabio Vilela. He's a uh, gigante Brazilian jiu-jitsu. is a Gracie Baja athlete, about six foot seven, 250-pound black belt. Um, had moved from Brazil about two years prior to me meeting him and, 
and was running a school here in Southern California. And through Fabio, I got to to meet and train you know, dozens of other uh, black belts and and world champions, guys like Hamlu Bahao, uh, Victor Estima, who's over there in England. Uh, he would come here for like a pre-worlds training camp. So you know, those guys were lifting hard to improve for jiu-jitsu. Now they weren't doing powerlifting. I was not training them like powerlifters, but definitely the, the lifting is going to be going to be very helpful. You know, coming from coming in with a big powerlifting background, like my strength is my biggest strength in jiu-jitsu, but <clears throat> in some ways it can be a hindrance as well because you know, I tend to maybe rely on the strength rather than you know learning learning the techniques and and letting the technique do the work and then applying the strength when it's, you know, once I've kind of, uh, so a lot of times I try and train like I weigh 200 pounds instead of, you know, 300 pounds. And, and then when it comes time to really turn it on, all right, now I can combine my strength with, with a uh, better technique. But the, the flexibility part's been, been tough for me too. And just, you know, trying to get in some of those, those positions. And then my, my quads and my stomach are running into each other and my, my legs are just so big that it's it's really hard to get in some of the position. I know that feeling. It's when you see it by the you know your professor and it looks so easy, uh-huh, and then yeah. you try to flip your hip up and you hear cracks or yeah. you think, that's <laughs> mm, not. Yeah, because it, it's a struggle because like lifting weights, there's times when the technique goes, but you rely on the power. And yeah. you have to slowly build yourself out of that because in jiu-jitsu, it's technique over power. And if you're using too much, if you have to use power, then, you know, you're pushing, you, um, you haven't got it right. And I think that's the same with, like, the weightlifting, you know, that if you're really having to power through a rep, sometimes it's maybe that you've got the, the technique off. I mean, obviously, you have to grind a rep at times, but... Have you found anything in jiu-jitsu, like training or weightlifting, for example? You know, is it like a maybe a, a ritual in your deadlift or something? Is there anything that's really helped you in like throughout it all, or is it very specific each time? You know, is it maybe the way you stand when you squat or bench press or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, to the effect of what you're saying would be more just finding a routine and a process, uh, for powerlifting, you know, powerlifting and, and, and weightlifting sports that are, are very replicatable. You know, you, you can approach, you have the ability to approach the bar in the exact same manner every time to, you know, the way that you grab the, the, you know, grab the bar with your hands, uh, to begin setting up your squat, you know, then set your upper back position and duck under every, every single one of those things, can be and really should be done as identically as as possible every time. And it's like you watch, you know, you watch an NBA uh, basketball player get ready to shoot free throws, and they have that exact same routine every time. You know, whether they dribble twice and spin the ball in their hand and, and whatever it is, you know, they're not going up there and changing it every single every single time. So so that routine and and rote, you know, really approach to to doing this stuff is, is going to be really useful. Uh, I think to, you know, just put people in the, in the right frame of mind to do it and, and to begin creating that precision you need in the technique. And, uh, and have you found the jujitsu training, has that had a knock on effect to your lifting? 
do you find you um, maybe do you not panic during a heavy lift this match or you know anything like that yeah i've been lifting weights a lot longer than i've been doing jiu-jitsu so it's been, been a while since i panicked <laughs> since i panicked during a lift but when someone gets the side control on me i'm, I'm certainly more panicked <laughs> doing that but uh something that you know that i have taken away from from jiu-jitsu and, and been able to you know talk to the lifters that i coach about a lot uh is you know to go back to the idea of process orientation which i mentioned before is you know let's say in jiu-jitsu someone you know someone is inside control on you it's very easy particularly as a white belt you know, a three-stripe white belt and it's very easy to panic in that moment and just think i have to escape i have to get out of this rather than and and that is almost impossible to achieve because you're trying to go from, you know, point A to point Z with none of the steps in between. Yeah. But if you can if you can focus on the process of escaping, you know, that you you need to get your frames in and you need to, to create space, you know, get your hip away and then and then be able to get your knee across and, and so on and so forth, then then you can actually achieve the goal by, you know, step by step by step to do it. And, you know, the same thing if someone wants to squat more or snatch more, or, uh, clean jerk more or whatever, that just the idea of, of all right, I got to squat more is a very abstract, difficult to achieve idea. But if you can, can break things down into these parts and components and be able to achieve them systematically, uh, yeah, I think it's much easier to, to achieve these four or five, six smaller goals, um, in sequence rather than trying to do the, the one big one, uh, which is, is really the result of, of a good process. So would that be your advice to like myself who wants to get back into the gym or somebody who just wants to start lifting or, you know, get back to it is to pick goals for each workout and, you know, just use it as a supplementary thing. Should they, you know, like say, should it be two times a week, three times a week? Does it depend on the person how would you advise somebody listening to start lifting? Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the the training frequency and how many times a week they're going to do that, I could give a lot of a lot of right answers for that because, uh, but it's it's more going to be determined by lifestyle and schedule and what they have available to them. Um, you know, so I would I would probably say like if you can go and train six days a week, that's going to be generally better than doing it three times a week particularly as a beginner, because you're going to get more frequent exposure, which allows for faster motor learning. But it's also probably not realistic um, and, and in a lot of ways not necessary. So what, what I would suggest them to do is, is to seek out uh, a good resource to begin understanding and, and learning proper technique. If they have access to that in person, uh, whether it be a, an in-person coach or being able to attend a seminar something like that, that's probably superior to, uh, you know, even very, very good information off of, off of YouTube or, or Instagram, anything like that. Um, you know, so if they can, they can be, begin doing that and then they need to be able to set themselves up for success. So with more beginner lifters, you know, they might see someone who's inspirational to them on, on Instagram and they're, you know, doing high bar, astrograss, Olympic squats with 500 pounds or whatever it is, but they, you know, and then 
then they themselves go into the to the gym and and are like, all right, I want to squat with that that same technique, but they don't have you know maybe the movement quality to uh, and the strength and stability to make that happen yet. And then they're just going to be kind of banging their head against the wall trying to do something that they're not yet able to do. Where if they can take a step back and use like a movement regression, so maybe front squatting instead of back squatting, or goblet squats instead of front squats, um, or even you know different like front foot elevated split squatting, just a simpler movement, whatever it is that they can do well at the time, do the one that you can do well and do it a bunch, and, until you can do the next progression well, because doing a bunch of shitty looking squats. You know, is never going to add up to doing good-looking squats. You got to do do the exercise as well, and then progress to the more more and more advanced variations. So, how do you think we can get that to, through to guys? You know, how do we get them to leave the ego at the door and actually build themselves up, get the technique, build in the motor patterns, and just you know, stop this half-ass squats the not locking out reps and that. how can, you know how can we actually get guys to learn these patterns and actually properly lift and not cheat themselves oh man that, that's a tough question I, I would have to be some sort of master master psychologist i think mm. to understand the uh intricacies of of the human ego and, and the male ego there so I, I don't know if i can if i can really venture a good uh, a good answer at that you know, if, if I think if, if people want to, if, if they want to do it right, there's plenty of information available to, to help them understand how to do it right. If someone, if someone does not have, doesn't have the desire to, to do things the right way or to admit that they're not doing it, that they're currently not doing it the right way, it's going to be really, you know, basically impossible to change that. So how did you start building? Because you lift some incredible weights and you lift them for such heavy reps. You know, how how have you built that mental toughness? Because just watching you pull like 200 kilograms onto your back looked crazy. But the fact that you just kept repping and repping that weight, you know, what goes through your mind during that time? Are you feeling your body like, you know, where my feet are placed, where my hands are placed? Or are you just thinking something in your head? You know, do you have a ritual that you think about while you're going through it? How are you connected? Are you aware to your body, or do you go off in your mind somewhere and just keep doing the motion because you've repped it so many times? Yeah, you know, I think that it's it's more you know, the the latter that you said there. It's mental t- mental toughness is an interesting thing, in it's it's really I think just preparation for for a situation and, and you look at you know people who who would be regarded as very mentally tough like a Navy SEAL and special forces military type of things and and they go through all this very grueling training more more than anything to prepare them to act without thinking you know to so that whatever situation they face is not overwhelming to them. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, lifting weights is obviously nowhere near the demand of, you know, people trying to shoot at you. Uh, but, you know, once you've done it, I've done it so many, so many times and, and approached it with great attention to detail, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that 
doing some, you know, doing the competitions and, and doing like an exhibition like that 500 for 22 was is, is, is doesn't become some mentally stressful exercise. It, it becomes more of, you know, the, the fun time where you get to express the, the hard work of, of training. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people make a mistake in going into into competition and a powerlifting competition and thinking that they have to do something unique or different in competition than what they've done in in training for the weeks leading up to to that competition. Um, because if the training was properly organized, you know, you're ready. You're you're ready to to express all of the hard work and training that you've you've done and and yeah that ready from both a physical and, and mental standpoint. So is that where the, you know, your motivation keeps coming from? Because, you know, you've broken numerous records, you've won competitions, you've been lifting for years. So, you know, where does your motivation to keep going? Is it the, the fun element of it? Or are you looking to push yourself to see what you're capable of? You know, or do you enjoy the coaching of new new lifters is there is there something that you find changes as you go or is the same motivation there from day one yeah I, you know i i haven't done a powerlifting meet in about a year and a half now so so I'd, I'd have to say that probably some of that motivation was very waning for me but i, I think you know what was the most interesting that to me is just the that pursuit of you know excellence and perfection in it and how can you, you know, keep manipulating the, the training plan and these, these very small adjustments to everything to, to get that extra half a percent that becomes so hard to come by when you reach such an elite level, uh, as well as like head to head competition. Um, but yeah, the, there's an enjoyment of the process for sure, even though, yeah, powerlifting and weightlifting, and uh, you know, previous to to powerlifting, I did uh, track and field and through the shot put. They're they're all sports in which the the ratio of how much time spent preparing to how much time spent competing is you know a massive massive discrepancy. That in in powerlifting, you know, you're you're preparing, you know, maybe training four or five six times a week for you know, a, a three-month training cycle. Let's let's say, you know, two or three hours in each session to go up and do nine nine lifts. So maybe you know, sixty seconds of work. You're doing hours and hours and hours to prepare to to showcase that in in sixty seconds. So if you can't find an enjoyment of the the preparation process, uh, it's I think it's it's really difficult to sustain to sustain that um but yeah just the a joy of of and and hunger for for competition I, I started playing competitive sports when i was five years old uh, and and always uh, i've always been competing in something you know minus maybe about a year and a half in the middle of college i wasn't competing in anything and then uh for about three or four months uh, in, in kind of the middle of my powerlifting career, I, I guess I had a, a temporary retirement period, and, and I found motivation very difficult to come by. I realized in, in, in those 
phases of my life. So yeah, just yeah, trying to try to beat your own numbers, trying to trying to beat the other people from you know for me the other people who are trying to be the best in the world so do you think that's always been the motivation because when i was sort of analyzing you know like your history and that sort of thing i noticed that you tended to always go for sports you know that were uh, individual so there was like the shot pat there was the lifting and then there's jiu-jitsu do you know is it you like that individual aspect of it and you have the team that you work with, but it's your individual targets, or have you always, you know, have you always focused on individual assessment sports rather than team sports? Uh, you know, I, I played football in high school as well as as doing track and field, and and I think I was I I really enjoyed playing football and, and had some opportunities to continue doing that in college, but I think I I was disillusioned in some ways with that because I, I didn't see, you know, uh, equal effort to improve being put, put forth by, by my teammates. And, you know, when I was throwing the shot put as hard as I worked, that's how much I was going to improve. And it was, it was all my successes and failures were, were going to be on me. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's probably part of it. And then just as, as you get older too, I think there's you know, less and less, serious uh options for for team sports um yeah outside of like a professional setting so uh so yeah that's that's sort of the deal now but but it is powerlifting largely i train by myself uh had some training partners here and there kind of come and go but but for the most part that was a pretty uh spartan you know solo existence for me and uh Jiu-jitsu, I, I enjoy that because, you know, it is individual sport, but but you have the training partners and, and the community of that are, are a big part to success as well. I mean, did you find that with uh, jiu-jitsu, for example, it felt like you were tapping into some sort of uh, masculine energy, whereas with, you know... You get the aggression, the testosterone out with the lifts, but there's something about the actual combat element. You know, the the physicality. It's very rugged and very emotive. Oh yeah, how how did you find the change between lifting weights and competing and fighting and try choke people out? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, you know, wrestling and combat and all that is is about as as primal and and basic as it as it gets, and that. In that sense, I mean, it's never something that I really, I guess, think about that much as, as we're going. But yeah, I just remember growing up and, and trying to wrestle my brothers and wrestle my dad, and and me and my friends would would you know wrestle all the all the time, and and that's it is kind of the the ultimate of of being able to just impose your will and and conquer someone else, you know, make them do what what you want them to. Um, but yeah, it's it's jujitsu. I think you know some people will will say that it's a it's a fight. I don't really look at it like that. Yeah, I, I think of it as just the sport jujitsu, and uh, you know trying to out strategy, you know, better strategy and and a better application of the technique. You know, you're in an industry where you're the product. And you've built a very successful brand. Um, you know, Jaggernaut is massively well known, and you're really well liked. 
how have you made it into a brand you know how have you taken something that some people would do as a hobby you know to let steam off at the gym did you ever think when you were lifting that you could build a business from this you know can you describe the moment that you kind of knew you could turn this in and start drawing people in and making money from it uh well you know i I started juggernaut straight out of college um so I've, i've actually only ever had four jobs in my life i I worked delivering newspapers when I was a little kid, you know, 12 years old or something. I worked at a restaurant when I was in high school. Uh, the latter half of college, I, I worked coaching high school football and track, as well as running their off-season lifting program. And then straight out of college, I, I opened Juggernaut. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of, and I always say I'm only going to have four jobs. This will be the, the last job that I do. I'll do it for the rest of my life. And we we started in a much different place. It was all, you know, in-person training and sport performance training. And then, um, you know, just as, as sort of internet fitness grew a little bit, I, I saw, okay, you know, I should, I should probably, I have these thoughts about, about the way that people should train. So I'll, I'll share those and start writing articles for elite FTS. And I think wrote uh, 30 some articles for them, wrote the first juggernaut method book. And, and when I, when I first, did the first juggernaut method, the ebook, you know, five, three, one was out there. And, but, the, but that wasn't really a, a big thing yet was, was writing ebooks and, and everyone, you know, tons of people have that now and everyone's got a podcast and all this stuff. But, but, uh, back in, in 2010, you know, I was, I was a bit more on the forefront of that. I was only 24 years old and, uh, just saw from the response to that book, I was like, Oh, you know, there's thousands of people who are interested in, in learning about this. I'm never going to be able to, to reach more than, you know, a hundred or 150 here at my physical gym location, uh, on a monthly basis. So I need to start doing more, uh, more of this, this work online and, and creating content and everything. And, and that was mostly articles for, from about 2010 till 2014, 2015, uh, and then kind of late, late 2015 started doing the YouTube stuff a bit more early 2016 became much more consistent doing the podcast. And now, you know, we, every week have three, three YouTube videos, two podcasts and, and, uh, I was trying to reach people through as many different avenues as possible. And I mean, do you have such a thing as a, a normal day? You know I mean? How do you juggle, family life making products running the gym lifting for yourself you know all and doing these videos and i mean you put so much energy and love into these videos you must be knackered half the time you know it's how do you manage to make sure you're eating properly building your brand and juggling all your demands yeah so well we we don't do the the in-person gym anymore we actually moved out of there this past august uh, really just because the lease was up and it was expensive and took away a lot of the time that I had to do the the content, which is kind of what I enjoy more. Um, but we do most of the content in, in kind of batches. So in December, because Max and I actually now live about 400 miles apart from each other, about six, seven-hour drive, hour-long hour flight, um, so because we don't see each other that much to, to do the content, we, 
you know, when we do see each other, we have to be very productive. So I think this past December, we filmed in over a two-week span, maybe 60 or 70 YouTube videos, something like that. And then uh, we'll do the podcast. We've been traveling to do a lot of the podcasts now. So we'll do things like uh, we went to New York for three days and did five podcasts there in New York with different guests and, and live ones with with a kind of little small clinic and a Q&A component to it. And, and uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll go to Texas and do the same thing. We're in the Bay Area doing that. Uh, so just going all over, all over doing that. But the biggest thing for me has just been you know, creating good schedules and to-do lists and, and a plan. You know, if I, if I wake up with, without a plan of what to do that day, or I don't create a plan when I, when I wake up, it's, it's kind of easy because I don't, it's kind of easy to let the day slip away from me because I don't have a boss to answer to. You know, I don't have things that I have to do necessarily. Uh, you know, I have stuff I have to do if I, if I want to actually make some money. But, uh, you know, I, I don't have a boss telling me, well, you know, deadline for this is this day and I need this, this article or book written by, you know, the end of the week or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just kind of making sure I'm, I'm self-disciplined in, in creating a schedule. And I got a lot of different calendars in my life. But in a typical day, I'm usually up at 5.30, 6 o'clock. Uh, a lot of times I'll train jiu-jitsu early in the morning, like, 6:30 until about eight o'clock and then come home make my coffee mix some protein in the coffee sit sit in the backyard work on my computer out there and uh you know whether it's just answering emails or commenting on on online coaching client videos and and uh doing that stuff and then you know trying to do a good job of of delegating pieces as as well um, you know, kind of different smaller, smaller tasks and managing the social media and all that sort of stuff. I mean, do you find it's difficult to keep coming up with new ideas and keep, you know, is it the same kind of questions you're getting over and over? Are you, do you get ever fed up of answering the same questions or, you know, is the creativity always there because there's always something new? There's always a something else to fix there's always a new kind of concept or way of looking at a lift or is it do you just look at scratching your own itch and think oh other people might be interested in buying that you know so i'll fix a training need i have and market it to other people who follow me yeah that's probably one of my my greatest fears in in this is is running out of of content but uh in in regards to getting the same questions like like yeah, we get the same questions a, a ton, and and it is, uh, f- you know, frustrating in some sense because, yeah, we have so much information readily available. It's like if people can just take, you know, two minutes out of their day to to use Google or or just to search through our our YouTube, we almost definitely have the answer they're looking for there. And you know, I, I don't I don't foresee any seismic shifts of the way that people lift weights and the way they get strong, um, coming up. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I am pretty creative in, in the way, you know, we go about creating the content and, and just, it's a lot of it's more of a trying to make decisions and trying to figure out how, what the, the best kind of systematic approach 
to educating people is because if you're just kind of putting videos out haphazardly, uh, it's easy for people to, you know, see a couple here or there and, and maybe they, they see the more advanced stuff and miss out on the more foundational stuff or vice versa. But that's why we tend to do a lot of like series type of videos now, whether it's scientific principles of strength training video series or our squat pillars, bench pillars, deadlift pillars, where they, they know, okay, there's five parts to this. Like I've only seen three of them. So I'm obviously missing something. Uh, so we know that, that each one builds on the, on the previous one and they all go together. So I get that kind of stuff is helpful to be a bit more effective education system because trying to educate people through the internet, you don't have the luxury that, that there would be in like a university type setting where someone's going to take, you know, a 101, 201, 301, 401, uh, you know, classes through their, their different years of school where one class builds on the, uh, on, on the previous class. So we, we have to, to try and, you know, recreate that type of system the best that we can just in a much less, less formal, more fun way. So, I mean, would you have any advice to any sort of new coaches listening or anybody that's making the transition into focusing on coaching a team or helping other people lift? You know, how how do you switch the mindset from competing to coaching? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I think it, it is tough making the transition competitor to coach. Uh, and I think it's it's hard to do both well uh, simultaneously, but you know I, I think that planning as a coach is is going to be the the most important thing in creating you know a, a system to to what you're doing. So understanding what makes the foundation of the athlete's success of general physical preparation and and technique, uh, and then being able to build you know, the special physical skills on top of that, which are going to be unique to, to each different sport, as well as the, you know, deeper technique and and tactical and strategic aspects of, of success and being able to build from the ground up there. Um, you know, for the, the people listening, there there's a really great podcast, a guy, a guy with uh, a guy on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, named John Donaher. And he's a jiu-jitsu coach for Henzo Gracie Academy in New York. And he talks about this, this same concept in which he was getting his PhD in psychology from Columbia University, a very prestigious Ivy League school. And, uh, and then basically took all of the, he, he wanted to be a, a professor of, it was philosophy, not, not psychology, uh, a philosophy professor and took all these kind of ideas about formal university education and applied them to coaching jujitsu and, and creating this systematic approach to, you know, what's step one of, of any jujitsu match. So get them to the ground. Step two, get past the legs. You know, step three, advance to a, to a, a better control position. And step four, finish. And while those four steps seem very simple, you know, each one of them is going to present a lot of different different problems. So whatever sport it is, people can can kind of look at these steps to success and create a hierarchy uh, in the, in their thinking, and and with that, develop solutions to the to the different problems. 
Uh, I noticed on one of your videos, uh, there was a um, get to know Chad sort of video. You mentioned that you're adopted when you were younger. Have, yep. Did you find, have you had any kind of, not resentment, but, you know, did you find it affected you in, when you were younger? Um, have you got any advice to anybody listening who's maybe dealing with that kind of emotions? I mean, I know that some people are kind of, I do get questions on that of like how people can adapt to it and get used to like new families and things like that. So have you any advice to anybody listening who's maybe struggling with that kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't have any <laughs> effective advice there. I was, I, I was adopted when I was born. So mm. like I, I went home from the hospital with the family that, that raised me. They're, they're my parents. Those are my brothers. And I, I don't actually even remember, being told when I was adopted or like when my parents told me that I was adopted, I, I don't, that's not a memory that I have. I just always knew that I was. Mm -hmm. So I guess they presented it to me very early and explained it. And I just was kind of like, okay, sounds, sounds fine. About four years ago, I met my biological mother and I have two full biological brothers and it was, you know, a, a unique experience, I guess. But at the end of the day, it was more or less, it was, I was very thankful to her that they decided to put me up for adoption because they knew that they, they weren't, you know, prepared, uh, to, to raise me. So I, I appreciate that very much. But beyond that, it was kind of just like people who looked a lot like me, but they're not my parents. You know, my, my parents are the people who, who raised me. So I, I had a very smooth, you know, I have a fantastic family and, and a, a very easy, uh, process and all of that. Yeah. So. I mean, I think I kind of sort of blundered into the question because, you know, you come across as somebody so warm, you're humble, that you're, you don't have any kind of aggression, that there's no, you know, you just seem such a lovely guy. And I see so many people justify, oh, such and such happened to me. Oh, it's their fault. This happened. And they kind of, they use an excuse for how they're living their life and you seem to have been brought up so well on that you're you know you're a fantastic role model to the youth of today so was there anything that you think was inspiration for this um have you always just been on this path and had these kind of goals or was there a point that made you focus on this kind of life oh thank you very very much for that uh you know i, I think i really just have have great parents uh, who were able to provide a very solid foundation and, and understanding of of right and wrong and and a good you know moral compass and all and all that good stuff when I was when I was a kid and and um, yeah I mean my, my dad was really just a, a great role model for all that just an incredibly patient guy uh, a servant leader and uh, and yeah I mean more than anything I think I think that came from him. Yeah, as far as like an entrepreneurial spirit and and all of that, um, you know, my my dad was not an entrepreneur or anything, and I I didn't really know anyone that was growing up. But uh, my my brother was out was out here visiting from New York uh, last week, and this topic kind of came up as because he was telling his his wife, you know, his wife was asking about us as when we were little kids, and and both of my brothers kind of said like. You know, yes, you know, from the moment that you could talk, you know, the moment that I could, I could talk and, and was, I was just coming up with, I was just trying to plan stuff and, and 
whether it was putting together teams or, or you know, like little like family party kind of stuff or whatever it was I, I was trying to organize and create. And, uh, and I think that's something that, that my, my parents just foster, fostered and, and they just did a great job supporting what I wanted to do. You know, I'd have all these, these different just ideas and plans that I'd want to talk about. And I'd, I'd go into my dad's dad's office at, in the, in the evenings after I get home from work and, you know, I'd, I'd just tell him about whatever ideas I, I had that day. And, and I might be talking to him for hours about that. And he just listened. And, and so I'm very appreciative. I just have a very excellent parents. I mean, it, that's something that definitely comes across is they've done a, they did a fantastic job because, you know, you, you're obviously that kind of person that, you know, it's like, oh, I, he would be an amazing dad. Like if, oh, thank you. Because you have that kind of patience, but you lift heavy things and that, you know. So, I mean, would you, is that the kind of advice that you give to anybody who's maybe a new dad? Just that kind of, how can we make sure we're raising more men like you than some of these guys who hold resentment and hurt for the rest of their teeth? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reticent to give uh, any parenting advice. I, I don't have any. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a dad. I don't have any kids. Uh, I, I'll post the pictures. Those are all my my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and and stuff. But uh, you know, I, I think some some things that are that are really important. Obviously, are you know to to love your kids and and that kids are going to understand a lot of that love by by time, you know, the time that you spend with them and, and are able to support them, you know, whether it was my dad listening to my, you know, whatever it is I wanted to talk about every, every day, a lot of times he was going to listen as long as I, as long as I wanted to talk. Or if that was that I wanted to, you know, run down the, the hallway and, and have him throw me the football and I would dive onto their, to, to my parents' bed and catch it and run back and do it again over and over you know, he supported me in that, and they were at every soccer game and swim swim meet and all that stuff. Um, you know, that that's that's to me hugely important. That the the time and 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 just being there and and uh, you know, people are going to come from from different backgrounds and have money or not have money, and and you know, maybe money makes life life easier and more and more comfortable. But uh, you know, like, I, I don't think a lot of kids. A lot of times, I don't think really know the difference between that. They know if their their parents are are there and supporting them, and and you know, just loving them for for who they are, and and uh, so that that would be the I guess the extent of the parenting advice I could give. I mean, that's something that goes back to the you know like the kind of questions you always get, and you have so much content about lifting, and I've often wanted to know more about you as a person because there was just something about you that instinctively you like, you know, and it's, it's to figure out what, what was causing that. And as I found out more and more about you, the more, the bigger fan I became because, you know, you can go on and find thousands of your videos and stuff like that. But I was wanting to know where the inspiration for you came and I've become a bigger and bigger fan just by listening. You know, it's, I can feel the, the love that you have for your family. So, I mean, what would you, I know we've, basically not covered anything that i was going to go into but you know what would you want people to take from this interview because i mean this has only been an hour and it feels like 10 minutes it's uh-huh. it's so it's, it's hopefully it's been enjoy, enjoying enjoying uh, enjoyment for you too but 
what would you want people listening to this to take from it? You know, is there a what kind of message should they go away with? Um, you know, I mean, I, I would hope that uh, for me as a person, they, they think that that's that's someone who's passionate about what he does and cares about about helping other people because that's that's really the central uh, yeah the driving force of of why we create so much content and, ha- and how we go about creating it is how can we best help, you know, powerlifters, weightlifters, coaches, personal trainers, all that do their jobs better and reach their goals more effectively because, you know, even, even though I guess sometimes it seems kind of trivial that we're just, you know, lifting up pieces of metal attached to another piece of metal, uh, I think it can be, uh, you know, and it has been for me a very impactful part of my life and, and, you know, been something more than just metal attached to other pieces of metal that has allowed me to, to uh, you know, get an educate, get an education and travel around the world and, and, ha- and meet so many great people and have these great life experiences. Um, so, and, and then, you know, and I guess one, one step beyond that is I'm sure there's people you know, listen to this, that they don't care about powerlifting or weightlifting or whatever it is, but, but whatever it is that you do care about, uh, you know, I, I was 23 years old when I, when I started Juggernaut and straight out of college. And I think there was a lot of people that, that didn't think that it was a good idea, you know, that, that didn't think it was a smart thing to do. And, and I think that there's a lot of that in the world, people who want to tell you, you know, that you can't do it, that it's a, that it's a bad idea. And that stops so many people from from pursuing whatever their goal is. You know, if it's a fear of failure kind of thing that that they they won't even that they won't step out and, and take the take the first step towards their goal. And and that's where the biggest the bi- biggest risk is. Uh, so I encourage people uh, to have the courage to be great to try and do something great with their life, whatever whatever that is, because there's people with great ideas. You know, there's people, there's people with, with these ambitions and stuff and, and they, they never, you know, attack it with their, with their full heart. And I think with that, you just live a life unfulfilled. Yeah. I think that's a a great message to, to finish with, but something I always like asking is the second last question is what's an unusual fact about yourself? You know, is there something that people are really blown away by when they hear? Oh, an un- unusual fact. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't burp. I don't understand the concept of burping. Is that what you're kind of saying <laughs> you're looking for here? I was certainly not expecting that. But... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, as much as I enjoy beer, it makes it really frustrating sometimes because there's just a lot of pressure built up. But uh, <laughs> uh, beyond, beyond that, I'm a fantastic dancer. Uh, there's There's a couple video clips of that floating around but not too many people get to see it uh marissa loves my singing voice i, I don't know uh, what kind of songs are we talking uh yeah i got a pretty wide range i'll go from from frank sinatra to r kelly anything in between oh nice it's a, a nice range there <laughs> so, yeah i mean this is why i really want to speak to you because there was so much about you that i was just thinking you know he'd be great to sit with and have a pint with you know because it's not just about lifting. It's the there's the deepness there. There's the you can feel the passion for everything that you you know jujitsu. Everything you seem to turn to, you're really into. So I mean, 
for people who are interested in finding more about you, how can they keep in touch and find out more about Juggernaut? And, you know, because there's so much more to you. And I hope I've just scratched the surface and sort of got people interested. So where can we go for more information? Uh, thank you. Uh, so, you know, social media, people can follow me at Chad Wesley Smith, at Juggernaut Training on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, Juggernaut Training Systems YouTube, the Jug Life Podcast, are relatively new bonus episodes to the Jug Life, uh, Beers with Chad, uh, which does get into a little bit more casual kind of conversation and, and not as much on the, you know, trying to teach how to train and all that. Uh, so, yeah, they can follow along all those places. Online coaching, we do that through juggernautcoaching.com. And then I also have several several books as well, which all of those can be found uh, at our, our regular website jtsstrength.com and store.jtsstrength.com well i thought you'd be fed up of talking about weightlifting and all the time so i thought i'd mix up a wee bit so the floor is open to you if there's any workshops you've got coming up anything you'd like people to do is there any actions you would like them anybody listening to go and do you know maybe sign up for a, a conference you're running or something of that nature um, yeah, I have a couple of small, smaller clinics coming up, but, but the main one would be the Juggernaut Performance Summit is, uh, August 19th, I believe off the top of my head in, uh, in New York. And that's myself, Max, Dr. Quinn Hennock, Dr. Mike Isretel, Dr. James Hoffman in, uh, in New York. And we'll be covering, you know, programming technique, nutrition, mobility, recovery. So all the the big stuff. So definitely check that out. But the, the main thing is, you know, to, to subscribe to the Jug Life podcast, which they can find on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the juglife.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, check all that stuff out. And I, I really enjoyed this. It was a nice kind of departure from the, uh, from the normal questions I get asked. So thank you, Ian. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.